0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network.
0: Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We should straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And it's another week. With me today is Daniel Reinhart. What up, Finn fans? And Ryan Norwood.
1: Hey there, Doll fans. Welcome back, Ryan. Thank you. Glad to be back. We thought,
0: you know, Omar Kelly's a writer for the Sun Sentinel, and uh, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with him. I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, sometimes I agree with what he says. I I like him on the podcast that he does with uh, Dave Hyde, uh, Exes and Omar. You know, I enjoy that. But I read his articles sometimes, and they make me want to cringe, you know? Uh, he, he's at times very negative. Well what he did this week and I thought was interesting, he wrote two articles and one of those articles is uh, 10 reasons that might prevent us from making the playoffs and he wrote another one, 10 reasons why we should make the playoffs. So we're, we're going to toss around his reasons and uh, we'll give you a, you know a, a, either a pro or a con on what he's saying as we go along. You guys ready? Yeah, I just, I'd add, I kind of agree.
2: I don't know how much I love Omar Kelly, uh, the Uh love-hate thing. Uh Uh, He's kind of like a heel in the WWE, right? Like, you got to respect what he's doing. He's done it for a long time. He He knows what the heck he's talking about. Um, But you just kind of hate him, right? Because he just rubs you the wrong way. So, I got a lot of respect for what Omar does. Uh, Definitely envious of his position, uh, but, boy, he rubs me wrong sometimes. So I have not read this article. I don't think you have either, Ryan. Have you?
1: I have so, not. And as somebody who has proudly been blocked by Omar Kelly on Twitter for about <laughs> 10 years now, <laughs> this will be pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, this should be a fun exercise. I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right.
0: So that we'll we'll do the reasons he thinks we won't make the playoffs first. And uh, he starts off with two a. Uh, jungle by regresses it's as a starting quarterback
2: Ooh, i if he regresses we definitely don't make the playoffs Ryan, i don't know how you feel but i definitely don't feel like he's going to regress this is his biggest opportunity the most talent ever and and mcdaniel's really gonna free him up and give him uh give him some empowerment i think we see the best to yet
1: yeah i'm gonna agree with you there i mean the whole thing with Tua for the last two years has been he needs the guys around him to be successful. Well, he's got the guys around him now. This team was built for Tua. If he regresses, we got a big problem.
0: Here's my concern with uh, Tua. The performance he had in Tennessee in the cold weather. Yeah. Yeah because mm. we're going to have some cold weather games at the end of the season, and uh, I don't want to see that kind of performance again. So th- that's really my biggest question. You know, Can he perform in Buffalo or uh, the other cold weather games we may have?
1: Well, let's not forget the emphasis on the running game that we're going to have this year, which we did not have last year. You get in those yeah. cold weather games, you yep. want that running game.
0: Good point. All right, his next uh, thought is... The Dolphins learned Tyreek Hill was a beneficiary of Andy Reid's play calling and the talent around him in Kansas City.
1: Isn't that why we brought Mike McDaniel in? Solid. I mean, that's that's it. We brought in a coach that is known for his play draw, drawing up plays, making guys in the right position. I mean, that's the whole reason that he's here.
0: Well, he's he's never been a head coach, so you know we'll see.
1: There's uh, an argument to be made that the talent
2: level of Tyreek Hill helped uh, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and that entire offense run smoothly, right? Whenever something broke down, you had two guys in Kansas City you could go to. It was either the tight end, Kelsey, or it was Tyreek Hill. Yep. So I think the argument on my end for that would be Tyreek Hill is the talent that, that really set that offense off. Now, obviously, they've got an all-world QB, uh, and that helps, <laughs> uh, but I think Tyreek will be the beneficiary of a lot of designed play calls by our
1: new head coach. You can't teach speed. Yep.
0: Nope, you can't. His next point is Miami's second-year players regress just like the 2020 draftees did last season, and I got to call him to task a little bit on that. Um, Robert Hunt went, using PFF grades, Robert Hunt went from a 65-8 to a 67-4. Tua went from a 65.4 to a 68.3. Igbenagani went from a one to a 52.2. <laughs> Jackson went from a 52.3 to a 49.9, but he had his position moved. And uh, Kinley went from a 51.3 to a 57.5, but obviously we know he lost his starting job, so if he wants to say he regressed, that's fine. But grade-wise, he didn't, he improved. So what he's saying here is that those guys continue to regress?
2: Is that No, the and what
0: he's saying is is that next draft class uh, with Waddle gotcha. and Phillips and Holland and Eichenberg, that those guys don't regress.
2: Well, I think that's where we have to look at the coaching staff that McDaniel has brought in. These guys in particular who have offensive line coaching experience are going to coach up those offensive linemen. I, I think that that's kind of a lazy argument. That yeah, if I did, I did somebody too. regresses, we're going to be worse. Um, that's kind of obvious.
1: I mean, this defense was kept intact. So, you know, you got Holland, you got uh, Phillips on the edge. Could they regress? Sure. I mean, those in my opinion, both of those guys played really high levels of football last year, especially Phillips at the end of the year. Um, so if they regress a little bit, I don't think it'll hurt us too much. But you look at the offensive side, I could, I mean, you can make an argument for Waddle only because he now has to compete for balls with Tyreek Hill.
2: Yeah, and if you have your offensive line in one position all year instead of moving them around, guys like Eichenberg is gonna, are going to improve. Absolutely. And a guy like Holland, who played at an excellent level all year last year, is going to improve, in my mind, with the consistency around him. And guys like Sertan and Madison to teach him the way. So I'm going to be looking for this coaching staff to improve those guys and their work ethic to improve them.
0: His next point is injuries decimate the Dolphins in 2022. And I mean, you can put that label on any team, you know, uh, because health is not certain, you know. But he's talking, he doesn't want to see Howard get hurt or Ogbo or Hill or Kosicki or Baker or Taron Armstead. And uh, he says losing any of those players could cause instant struggles because the backups are a pretty good drop-off. And I agree with him there.
1: You kind of have to agree with that. I mean, injury is a contact sport. Injuries are a part of the game. If we lose one guy, there's not a lot we can do there.
2: Yeah. Again, I think this is a lazy argument, but when you're putting together 10 things, uh-huh. To prevent somebody from making the playoffs, this has to be on that list because, like you said, Mike, with any team, if they start getting riddled with injuries, their, uh, their chances uh, dwindle quickly.
0: Yeah, what happens to Kansas City if Mahomes goes down, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, the, their, their backup quarterback is not Mahomes, so, no. you know. <laughs> no. no, and their backup tight end is not Kelsey. Right, right, exactly. So, so you know, you, could, you can do that with any team. So yep. they just got to be lucky with injuries, obviously, like everybody else. Stop being lazy, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> His next reason is Miami's offensive line remains mediocre.
2: Yeah, this is the one that I'm the most scared about, right? Agreed. As, as a Dolphins fan who has seen uh, mediocre being kind, uh, pretty poor offensive line play for many, many years. This is the one place that we have to improve on to really have that run game Ryan was alluding to earlier and give two of the time required to take that step forward.
1: So this is the one that I, I am definitely the most worried about. Definitely worried about it. I think with the offense and with two was his best features, his accuracy, his ability to get rid of the ball quickly. And if he can do that, the thought is that it will open up running lanes as the defense kind of backs off. So I think if a defense realizes, hey, our our line is, you know, got more holes in Swiss cheese, the whole offense can go down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take a step back instead of forward. And yep. that's the
0: last thing we want to see. Well, I, I think Armstead and Williams automatically makes them better than last year. So, uh Will they be mediocre is the question, and and we really can't answer that. We're just going to have to see how these guys have improved in the offseason.
1: I mean, that goes back to the injuries, because Armstead, I mean, when's the last time he's played a full season?
0: It would be the first, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, McDaniel struggles to lead an NFL locker room.
2: Yeah. um, I'll let you go first on this one, Ryan.
1: All right. So everything we've seen so far, it looks good. But, I mean, if he, start, if he comes out and the first six games, we lose four or five of them, that, that locker room can change. So I could definitely see this being a problem. Um, you know, you got the good thing he did was he brought in a lot of veteran leadership this year, going back to Armstead, Williams, Chase Edmonds, Tyreek Hill. I think that will definitely help the case. But yeah, if, he, if we, you know, get hit hard early and we start losing games, this could easily be a problem.
2: Yeah, everything that we have heard about Mike McDaniel leading up to him becoming the Dolphins head coach is how much he's beloved by players, and and coaches alike for that matter, and how players love to play for him. So I don't foreshadow this being a problem, but I think you kind of nailed it on the head, Ryan, and I I will elaborate even further. If Tua struggles and McDaniel doesn't handle that situation correctly, and there are rumblings uh in the locker room like we've heard uh, we've heard rumors of in the past that could also uh, drive a wedge. So oh, yeah. I I think that he'll be fine. Everything we've seen and heard tells us that he's going to be fine, but there this is not a lazy analysis by Omar
0: because this is definitely a possibility. It is a possibility, but I don't think it's a likely possibility. I agree. I think McDaniel can coach. I think we'll be all right.
2: Yep. I do
0: too. Josh Boyer can't get Miami's blitzing defense to work properly. This is a concern of mine, but go ahead, guys. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast.
2: Was it Flores or was it Boyer? Uh, Who really had their hands in making this defense? One of the top defenses in the league in 2020 and and the second half of 2021. So this is definitely a question that we don't have an answer to right now, and and it should be a concern going into the season. Uh, you know, cross our fingers and hope that that Boyer uh, has his fingers all over that package, that zero blitz package in particular that made us so successful.
1: I mean, you got to think with these guys if they were that. You know, they've really wanted to push keeping him in that position, keeping this defense together. There's a reason for it. I just don't see Chris Greer or, you know, Stephen Ross, for that matter, saying, yeah, keep this guy, keep the defense together, even though he was the one that was failing. So in my opinion, I think it could be a problem, but I just don't see them having kept this structure, this organization that way, knowing that it was a failure.
0: Yep, I agree with both you guys. The thing that concerns me um, is not the Flores-Boyer dynamic because I think they both know the defense. They've been around it for years. So I, I don't think that's a major thing, but what I do think is other teams are going to be better prepared for that abba defense. So we'll have to see if they can execute it when other teams know it's coming and know how to beat it.
2: Yeah, I thought at the beginning of last season when we wasn't doing it, we wasn't doing it because we felt like all the other teams would be prepared for it because they've seen it a lot in 2020. Mm-hmm. My thing is, is if your guys are good enough at it, it doesn't matter how prepared somebody is, you're going to be successful.
1: Yep.
0: There's ways to beat it. Sure. Trust me. <laughs> yeah.
1: yep. there's, there's always ways. But if you got guys that play disciplined football, that's tough to beat.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah but you what, guys, what you're what you're doing, here. what you're doing is you're putting the offense in a position that makes that defense impossible to stop. Oh, you follow me? You know they can do it. Uh, the offensive teams can do it. They have to execute, and if they're executing at a high level, um, they're not going to be able to stay in that defense. Right. So, anyway, uh, Miami's run game remains inconsistent. <laughs>
1: That goes back to the offensive line. I mean, yes, it does. I mean, I would say Omar kind of double dipped here on on that one. Um, Jeez, we just had such a bad running game the last two years, and they brought in three running backs that essentially just jumped our starter from last year. I don't, I I just can't see it being as bad as it has been.
2: Well, in addition to the offensive line part, you've got a couple of those running backs who are not the picture of health, right? Sony Michelle has not always been healthy. And we all know what Raheem Mostert has been. Uh, He's been good on the field, but staying on the field has been a problem. And then the only other thing you have on top of Miles is Chase Edmonds, who is not a full-time three-down running back. So the offensive line could improve enough to make us uh, a decent running game, but I could... There is a world in which our running game is not good enough because we just don't have the horses, even though we've signed them.
1: Oh, don't forget, Salvan Ahmed is there. They re-signed him, and uh, you got Jared Doakes. Yeah. Maybe he takes a step forward. I mean, this is all
2: true, but we know who those guys are, you know, and they're not going to be the ones to take our our running game to a top 12 running game.
1: Well, I don't know about that because this is a completely different offensive style than when they ran last year. I mean you're running, what are they running this year? It's going to be a, a wide zone offense? Outside zone. Outside yeah. zone, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different structure than what we had the last two sure. years. And these running backs are more built for that getting outside, running in space.
0: We'll see. Yep, you got to get decent tackle play, right?
1: You do. Yeah. And that's one of the things, even with going back to Eichenberg, when he was in college, this is the offense they ran. This is what he knew. So, I mean... That's going to help the offensive line. That's going to help the running backs.
2: I'm not sure uh, Miles Gaskin or Salvin Ahmed have the juice to be the outside zone running back of, uh, you know, that takes us to the next level, but uh, that's why we have Mostert and that's why we have Chase Edmonds, right? So you know, we got to pray for, here, here's that word again, health in our running back room.
0: Miami's linebackers get exposed for their shortcomings.
2: Yeah, this is one we've talked about multiple times on the podcast. That this may be the weakest unit, right? Yep. We we just don't have the manpower, uh, or I just said horses in the running back room. We don't have the horses here to really withstand injury concerns or anything else like that. And uh, we've got a little bit of youth with our new draft pick and some some backup special teams guys, you know, outside of Baker. So this is a concern. Yeah.
0: Yep. I'll, I'll read you what, what he said. Um, Baker Phillips, Robertson, Riley, and Van Ginkle collectively make up a solid linebacker unit because their unique strengths complement Miami's hybrid defense, which is fueled by its versatility. But there isn't one player in this linebacker unit who can do everything at an above average level. And because of this, a good offensive coordinator might be able to attack their individual weaknesses, like running at Baker, throwing at Roberts or forcing Phillips to drop back into coverage.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. This yeah. is one of those times where you look at Omar and you're like, Yeah, you know what the hell he's doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Because this is a this is a great analysis. We have to be concerned about that because and and really what we want to see is Tyndall come in here and uh, be everything we need.
0: Sure.
1: Yep. I mean I, I really have nothing to add to that. That's Omar spot on. Daniel you're spot on. You know, this is a weak unit that We need to find somebody, but at the same time, it's a unit that's been, you know, linebacker position in the NFL is kind of like a running back. You know, do you really take a guy in the top 10 or the first round for that matter? You can find guys in round two, three, four who play just as, you know, can do just as much because the defenses are structured more for nickel, for dime. It's a passing league.
0: Yep. All right, so that that does it for the reasons we might not make the playoffs. Now he's got 10 reasons why he thinks we should make the playoffs. Let's go, uh, Omar. Let's make these good. I don't want to hear. If he's got one that says we stay healthy,
2: just skip over
0: that (laughs) one. All right, guys. we got a break for a minute to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, their pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show note for details. Coach Mike McDaniel and his staff bring balance to the offense.
1: I mean, that's the hope, isn't it? That's, that's the hope. That's right. why we brought him in. He's he's the mad scientist, I guess they called him, with all his play designs, the way he puts people in position. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see Terry Hill or Jalen Waddle in the running back, you know, lined up in the backfield. You know, I think he has control of the offense. That's his baby. Let Boyer take care of the defense and just run this run this unit. And do your job. That's all you can do.
2: Yeah. I don't know if balance is the word I would look for particularly, but we definitely have to have more of that. I think he brings enough to our offense that we're going to be better than we've seen in a while, um, in quite a while. And I think that does help us get, if not to the playoffs, boy, we're going to be fighting for it in the end.
0: Miami's young and troublesome offensive line gets fixed.
2: Yeah. This is why we brought in guys like Frank Smith, right? And we've, we've got him and there's another, uh, the guy from Boston college. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, Uh, but both have a lot of experience there. And I think that they are going to do wonders for these young guys. Uh, at least that's the hope. I, I think they're going to improve these young guys. How about I say that instead of they're going to do wonders. I -hmm. think that, uh, We're going to see some improved offensive line play and the additional horses along the offensive line obviously is is going to be uh, huge for that.
1: Yeah, you know, you got three guys on the line between um, you got Hunt, you got Williams, you got Armstead. You know what you're getting from those guys. That's, you know, solid to really good football. So you got two other positions to worry about. And like I said, a couple minutes ago, Liam Eikenberg played in this offense in college. He was a second round pick in this offense. So I think you're going to see a step up from him. You got one guy left and I don't know, five, six different bodies fighting for one position, put the best guy in there and let him play.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. Didn't like play at Boston college as well. But no, he I mean, played at
1: Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Yep. yep. My fault. My fault.
0: Miami's defensive line will be a force again this season.
1: No reason not to expect that. I mean, the defense is the same as it was last year. Guys get another year under their belt. They know this defense even better. I mean, I would expect them to, to, at the very least, keep what they had last year.
2: Yeah, and I I think you're going to see improvement from a guy like Jalen Phillips. And you've got a guy like Raekwon Davis coming back healthy. So I also don't expect a step back. I think they're going to be better.
0: And um, I'm looking forward to watching them play. Me too. Yeah. Josh Boyer proves it wasn't Brian Flores pulling the strings on defense.
2: (laughs) This is what I was alluding to earlier, right? So, uh, was it Flores or was it Boyer? Um, I honestly think that it had more Boyer than we suspect. And I think that Flores really – and I know you said you didn't really worry about the Flores-Boyer dynamic too much. But I think Flores was trying to make everything his way in the beginning of last season. Uh, I believe that Boyer is going to come out strong, and I think that he's going to prove to us right away that there was a good reason to keep him on this
0: staff.
1: Yeah, I believe I I kind of line up with you there. I think Flores really wanted to be the guy, yep. and you know everything was him.
0: Every coach wants to be the guy, but that doesn't mean they can't delegate.
1: Well, that's the thing. He wanted to be, you know every piece of it he wanted to be the coach he wanted to be the coordinator he wanted to be the position coach
2: listen my sources are telling me that flores made boyer stand in the back of the single file line (laughs) with a dunce cap in the corner so (laughs) boyer's gonna come out on fire
1: (laughs) I, i agree i don't know if we'll necessarily be able to say you know it was boyer all along because let's be real you know maybe he screwed up a couple of times last year, but he learned sure. from the way Flores did things. And now he's taken both positives, putting them together and keeping this defense running.
2: Sure. And, and to be clear with all the listeners, I don't have any sources outside of myself. That was a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tyree kill Jalen Waddle and Mike is become one of the NFL's most dangerous trios.
1: That'll depend on Tua. Can Tua, you know, keep, can he keep it accurate? Can he get the ball quick? Let these guys use their, you know, God-given talents with their speed, their ability to move. And, you know, you don't, everyone wants to see him throw the ball 50, 60 yards down the field. You don't always need that.
2: No, you don't, especially with Waddle and Hill, right? You only need to get those guys the ball seven yards down the field and watch them work. Um, this is one of those things that if you was to tell a dolphins' fan that we may have one of the top three top trios in the league, um, it would be one of those things that we wouldn't believe because we haven't seen it in so damn long. And it's exciting of a, a prospect that we may have an opportunity to see it. But the simple answer is exactly what you said, Ryan. It's going to be up to TuA. Yep.
0: Well, TuA becomes the NFL's most accurate quarterback in 2022.
2: Yeah. This is this is definitely uh, this is definitely possible because we know how accurate he is. He's already had some stellar accurate games, but I'm going to to shout out Lou here. I don't care how accurate he is. How many wins are you going to put on the board? Because he can be very accurate um, and miss every third down, right? And then uh, we don't win games. So yeah. I want to see touchdowns. I want to see him put balls in the end zone. That's what I want to see. Accuracy be damned.
1: I mean, accuracy is important for a quarterback. you got to put the ball in a position where the guy can catch it, turn up field, and run with it. And if you got two world-class speedsters, I mean, you could add in Chase Edmonds to that too coming out of the backfield. If you can't put the ball where these guys can catch it and run with it, what good are you? I mean, we've seen guys with big arms that flamed out because they couldn't do that. So I think to, uh I don't know if he'll be the most accurate quarterback in the NFL this year. He'll probably be up in the top three, though.
2: Yeah, we know that's the type of quarterback he is. So I'm not concerned about him being number one, number five, number seven, as far as accuracy is concerned. Although if he
1: is number one, some uh, Kansas City fans are going to have to apologize to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Mahomes is
2: going to hear it on Twitter. Yep.
0: Well, I'm just going to say this. You know, if you're if you're going to applaud his accuracy, you have to ask what's happening in the med- intermediate areas of the field where he is not accurate. So, you know, I mean, he's got he's got to improve his game, and and if he does, sure, um, he will be more accurate than he was last year, and he'll have the possibility of leading the league.
1: I yeah, think a lot was- of that comes to his hip rehabbing, getting I stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: He won't be the most accurate in the league if he can't start to find more accuracy in the intermediate zones. Just, it's not going to happen.
0: Right. I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, you know, if he comes back stronger and I'm talking, you know, his hip area, you know, and and he can really get into the throws, then, then, uh, you know, he's got a better chance.
2: Yeah. And we're we're three years into his career now, and that's still, I believe, a very underrated um, point that anybody makes, you know, this this man's hip was, I didn't think he was going to play again. I didn't think so, you know, and so, rehabbing that and getting it back to full strength and really being able to get into a throw, I can't imagine how hard that is. It's not just the is. hip,
0: Daniel, because when you have that kind of a surgery, it pretty much lays you up. Yeah. So, you're losing strength as you're laying there, you know, your muscles get smaller. <laughs> Uh, it's just the way the body works, so you know he's got to re- pretty much rebuild his body and uh, get it back to where it was at Alabama.
1: Yep. Not just his body; it's mental too, because you take it's a hit course. like that, you know, you may not want to come back right away. And this guy was playing what was it was less than a year later. Yep. You know he's back on the field with bigger, faster, a stronger line. Yeah, <laughs> against bigger, faster, stronger defenses.
2: Kind of kind of unrelated, uh, but you've seen some of that with Klay Thompson in the NBA Finals, right? He, It didn't look like he was back healthy, but I think it was just because of the mental aspect. Yeah. Healthy, yes. There and ready and willing to put every ounce into it, not so sure.
1: I mean, we don't even know that 2 was physically healthy when he went yep. back. Yep.
0: All right. Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and Eric Rowe helped Miami's secondary become one of the NFL's stingiest.
1: I'm gonna let you start this one, Dan.
2: Yeah, I think it's good that he added Eric Rowe in there because we're gonna need we're gonna need him to play very well for this particular um, example to come true. We have a great defensive backfield, and it's fair to say that if Javon Holland's Javon Holland, listen to me doing a loo, pulling a loo. Uh, if Javon Holland continues to improve, I uh, he's he could be an all pro type of player in the, in the backfield there. Um, and the other guys are, are studs. So if we can have those role players step up and play fantastic football all season, we're going to be one of the toughest to throw on in the league.
1: I agree with you. You know, it all starts with X with Jones. Sure. Shout out to Nick Needham too. You know, that kid came out of nowhere and just played really, really good football in the nickel. Um, But, yeah, you get Javon Holland if he can build off of last year. Eric Rowe can continue doing what he's doing, being a vet leader in that secondary. And Brandon Jones can take that next step forward. I don't see why not. Yep. All of those players. I I love them all. Let's go. Absolutely. And, again, Sam Madison, Patrick Sertan, coaching them all.
0: All right. Miami's special teams unit will rebound from last year's struggles.
1: So this one here... Interesting. A lot of people were kind of upset last year with our kicking situation. And I don't think a lot of people really understand the role that the punter plays. Um, as far as holding the ball, snapping, holding, doing all that stuff, that's a relationship that takes time to build. And we went from a really solid relationship two years ago to a new punter last year that you know, wasn't really very good at punting the ball or holding it. And now you've got Morstead in there, who is a, a great punter. He's been around the block, I don't know, 20 years, something like that. I mean, this guy is going to stabilize the place kicking. He's going to help build it. I don't see us having another down year.
2: Yeah, and you also have to look at something else a lot of people don't pay attention to, and that's the the field battle. Um, when you got to have a guy like Morstead pinning guys back in, inside the 15-10 yard line, it's going to make your special teams look better. On all your punt returns as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do and and getting um, getting Jason back to the All Pro status.
1: Yep,
0: Xavier Howard will lead the NFL in interceptions again.
2: Let's Ooh. go, let's go. All right, um, I could <laughs> definitely see this happening. Obviously, he's an amazing ball hawk. You don't want to throw his way, and if quarterbacks are going to test him, he's going to take it. He's going to take it from him. And if he does lead the league in interceptions again, that will absolutely bode well for our playoff chances.
1: That would be incredible. Yeah, It would be. I mean, again, you got Jones opposite him. You got Needham in the nickel. You got solid safety play. I mean, I could absolutely see this happening. If we can get our pass rush to be consistent, I see no reason why X can't have another double-digit interception year.
0: All right. No one that's gonna amuse you, Daniel, is the Dolphins will have a relatively healthy season. Well <laughs> shoot. Is
2: that how that works?
0: I guess uh, so. I,
2: I think that if we stay healthy, we should be battling for the division crown, not just the playoff
1: crown. Yeah. I mean there's no reason if the Dolphins stay healthy, you know, maybe the, the Bills or the Patriots lose one or two guys in key positions, you know, we, we'll be in the winning the AFC East, going to the playoffs. I mean, is there a team in the AFC that you guys can think of that, if all their guys are healthy, they wouldn't make it that far?
2: <laughs> uh, it depends on the suspension situation in uh, <laughs> up in Cleveland, maybe. Yeah. But uh, hey, they still got Baker though. It's yep. it's a it's a murderer's row. We've talked about it multiple times. There's there's some really really good teams in this AFC, and frankly, there's probably three teams from the West. That if they stay completely healthy, they're in the playoffs. You know yeah. what I mean. So it's going to be a struggle, but we have to we have to assume that we have to be battling for the crown in the East in order to be trying to make the playoffs.
0: You know, uh, Ryan. People talk about how the Dolphins basically shit on Tua, but uh, look at what Cleveland's done to uh, yeah their quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just mind boggling. You know.
1: I mean well yeah. essentially, that's the the situation that too would have been in had we made the trade for Watson,
0: yeah, yeah, no doubt, but all that talk you know before it actually happened,
1: you know mm-hmm. that, that
0: they wanted him, they wanted him, you know, and that just went on for months,
1: yeah, I mean, that's mentally exhausting for a yeah. guy, especially so, a young player
0: I guess my question my question would be if Baker does get in there, you know how how mentally into it is he going to be?
2: I don't see it happening, man. I don't see him playing for the Browns. I think it's just too broken. I, I would, I would assume that the Browns start Jacoby Brissett because otherwise Baker Ooh. is just going to be a cancer. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, think that that's what ends up happening. I don't think Baker stays. I don't know in if
0: he'd be a cancer. I, I, don't know if that's his, you know, mo. I don't know.
2: Well, even so. if he wasn't actively, um, have you seen Baker pout? Just, it's it's not, it's not a positive situation. I saw
0: Brady pout. I saw Manning pout. I mean, we've seen (laughs) him. Yeah, but now it's it's very different.
2: Yeah. I just don't see Baker playing again for
0: Cleveland.
1: Although I will say right before we came on here, I was watching on the Pat McAfee show. He had Josina Uh Anderson and they were talking about this situation. Shout out, out, big shout out to Pat. Great show. He is awesome. Um, But they were talking about this same situation with Baker and, you know, does he play or does he say no? If he says no, what's that tell to the other 31 teams in the NFL? Yep. And if he does play, is he going to give it his all? Is he you know, going to be good enough? But one thing that Pat had brought up was Baker's personality. And there was a game last year. He threw an interception or something like that. And he's on the sideline. Nobody came up to him. Not a single person on the Browns came up to him, pat him on the back, talk to him or anything like that. So that. You know, kind of says, what kind of guy is he? What kind of locker room presence is he? You know, it's a tough situation. I'm glad we dodged that bullet.
2: Yeah. I kind of tend to think that it's a lose-lose for Baker right now, right? So he either caves and plays for the team that has shit on him, as you put earlier with Tua, right? Or he doesn't play and he's looked at even worse than he is now. The the thing that I hate about this for Baker, and I'm not a Baker apologist or anything, but he played hurt last year, you know what I mean? He was betting on himself and played hurt last year, and, uh, and then this all happens to him. So I think best case scenario for both him and the Browns is they either release his ass or they trade him.
0: I would think that would be the uh, right thing to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway,
2: enough about Cleveland. Is it, we have not addressed, and I know you love these Twitter uh, things, Mike, but we haven't addressed, uh, really Tyreek talking about Tua's accuracy. Uh, I think- Oh yeah, he, I don't mind. I don't
0: mind, uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, it makes for conversation, you know?
2: Yeah. So, what is that to you? Is that just, uh, just hyperbole? Him just talking to try to pump up Tua or do you think- I he, think so. He means
0: it. I, I do. I think so. I mean, look, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, or, you know, or maybe it's Aaron Rodgers, or maybe it's- uh, you know, the guy in Cincinnati, Burrow, who knows, you know. But most people will tell you that Mahomes is probably the top guy. And uh, he was pretty accurate. <laughs> I think there are only a few uh, fractions of a percent off each other, if I remember correctly.
1: I think Mahomes was like 65%. Tua was 68 But Tua, he got drafted for his accuracy. That's what he was in college. Yeah. I mean, Tariq, this is obviously Tariq coming out saying... You know, hey, this is my guy. This is my quarterback. If you want to go, you know, full to with tears and everything. Yep. (laughs) But he's trying. He's done everything since he's got here to lift Tua up. Yep. So big respect to Tyreek. That's um. That's
2: exactly where I'm at with this. So I think more than anything else, it talks about and tells us what kind of teammate Tyreek is. Right. And there was rumblings as he was leaving Kansas City. That he wasn't necessarily the great greatest teammate, right? But he gets here and he takes up for he's, two he's uh, on multiple of, he, occasions.
0: You can see he's a bit of a diva. Can well, we agree on that? <laughs> they all
2: are, right? They all are. If you you're not a top notch receiver without being a diva. At, at least that's the way that it's always been perceived, you know. So I I love this, not necessarily because it's the honest to God's truth, but because it shows us Tyreek is all in.
0: Tyreek is saying, throw me the ball.
2: That's what he's saying. <laughs> uh, that too. That too. That's uh-huh. okay. I'm okay with that.
1: Throw him the damn ball. 100 receptions, 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. All that's, right, guys. That's a
2: playoff berth right there. That is.
1: Omar, did you
2: hear that? Add that to the list. <laughs> let him, <laughs> let him have it, Daniel. All right. Uh,
0: All right. No, I, th- I thought for the most part this article was fair. Yeah. You know, both of them. Um, yeah. You know... Uh, there's a hundred different ways you can not make the playoffs, and we, we've experienced most of them over the past couple of decades. So, you know, hopefully this team can get it right, McDaniel can get it right, and uh, Tua steps up and proves that he's the guy that they thought they were getting with the number five pick, Yep. and uh, there's Julian Dolphinville.
1: Hey, you got to uh, figure, if we can have the two seasons that we had last year and the year before without an offense, you know, if we if we put any form of an offense on the field it's only going to get better
2: been saying it for months my man that's right up my alley if we're a top 15 offense we're a playoff team plain and simple
1: yep Yep. all right guys
0: thanks for joining me this afternoon everybody thanks for listening thanks mike Uh, we'll be back next week and until then fins up yeah it was nice of lou to let us talk this week
1: oh yeah thanks
2: lou (laughs) enjoy your vacation my friend
0: all right guys all right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the fin Fans Podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right, until next time, be well and take care. Podcast Network.